0: All the money for the project does not need to come from specifically one opportunity fund.
1: You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, it's Marcus Maloney again with another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And today I have a very special guest, Uh, His name is David Barron. David is an attorney with Beck and Barron, who joined the law firm in July 2017. Um, Admitted to practicing in Illinois State and United States District Courts, Uh, Dave engages in general civic practice, representing businesses, lending institutions, local government, and individuals. His area of focus includes commercial litigation, transaction matters, municipal law, administrative proceedings, real estate, and estate planning. Dave, from 2019, I'm sorry, from 2009 to 2013, he was an associate at the Chicago-based firm Sidley Austin LLP, where he received uh, from the firm in 2011 the Thomas H. Moresh Award for his pro bono service to the firm's uh, capital litigation project. Uh, Briefly, from 2013 to 2017, uh, Dave was an assistant corporate counsel in the city of Chicago uh, law department, constitutional and commercial litigation. Um, Dave also handled major contractual disputes and defended challenges under the Illinois and U.S. Constitution to the city's ordinance and regulations. Also, Dave hails as a law, as a Harvard law graduate in 2009, and he is an Irish alum from the University of Notre Dame. Uh, (laughs) So he has some strong Midwest roots. Um, So currently, some of the things that Dave is doing is, you know, he's been active with a number of nonprofits and civic organizations, and he currently serves as a chair of the board of advisories at the old St. Patrick Catholic Church in Chicago. So if you have ever been in Chicago, that church is definitely famous, and uh, you see it on a lot of uh, postcards and marketing material for Chicago. Um, Dave also is an author and he authored a rural black community of illinois which he's referring to pembroke illinois if you do not know it's one of the poorest cities or municipalities in the nation and it's right in uh the southeast region of kankakee county in illinois so without further delay let's meet and talk with dave barron and today we'll be discussing Opportunity zones. What is it? How can you invest in the opportunity zones and the different uh, legalities and some of the things that are coming out in regards to opportunity zones? So Dave, thank you. Welcome. Welcome. And our our um, listeners definitely want to learn more about opportunity zones and how it can benefit them as real estate investors. So tell me real quick, you seem like you're very accomplished in law. Uh, What was your inspiration and how did you get started in real estate law per se? Sure, sure. And
0: and Marcus, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, Really excited to be here and just reading about the program in the first place and what you've been up to has been just inspiring. So, um, Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, in terms of, of real estate law and my where I got started, and in terms of being involved in that and learning more, um, you know, if you read through a little bit of my bio there, and the first eight years of my practice were not in real estate law. I mean, they they covered a little bit of real estate issues from time to time, um, you know, but I was primarily a litigator. I was somebody who's going into court to, when I was at Sidley, defend larger corporations. When I was at the City of Chicago, it was to defend the City of Chicago and its departments. Um, touched on a few interesting real estate matters, you know, with the city of Chicago, I was working on uh, a defense of the uh, city's affordable housing requirements. Um, so that's one issue, but okay. So it wasn't really until moving back home to Kankakee, which is where I practice now. And at Kankakee, you got to open up your practice. It has to be much more general. Um, but real estate I knew was something that I wanted to, to dig into, uh, for a number of different reasons. I mean, it, it, it touches people on so many different levels, whether it's, you know, just a basic tenancy, so where somebody leases or whether it's actually owning somebody's first home, um, whether it's an investment strategy, it's, it's just such a big aspect of key moments in people's lives. Um, that in coming back to be part of my hometown, I knew I had to get involved and more aware and understanding of real estate. So I've made that really a prime component of my practice. Um, Okay. You know, another, another thing is, that's really kind of inspired me in this direction is you mentioned the book about Pember Township. Um, and in that book, I get into some of the causes. You mentioned it is one of the poorest communities in, in the state of Illinois, let alone the country. And as I, I, when I did the research for that book, you learned that a lot of the causes are because of certain real estate moves that were made by the developers. In the you know the mid 20th century, absolutely, um, yeah. Cer- certain things that were done kind of cut corners in some ways, or to get through certain regulatory loopholes in order to save money for the for the developer. But then you had a community that was left without certain basic infrastructure. So it it just seemed you know that was another item that piqued my interest and um, has really inspired me to to really develop a, a better understanding of these issues.
1: Okay. Well you seem to be a different I don't want to generalize and say all attorneys are the same, but you it seems like with a lot of the pro bono work and a lot of the nonprofit and and civic work that you've done, it seems like you you really have a pulse on the community and some of the things that you're doing. Um so and I know right now, well for the past year and a half or so. Um, a lot of investors have been talking about opportunity zones and opportunity zones. What are they, you know, how can you get involved? So let's kind of touch on that. I know being there in Kankakee County, which is just South of Chicago about, you know, about 50 miles South of Chicago um, opportunity zones have been a hot topic. Um, And no matter where you're at, you know, again, me and you, we talked at the Midwest real estate investors summit and that was one of the things you were on the panel that discussed Opportunity Zones. So for those who don't know what Opportunity Zones is, you know, kind of give us a brief, you know, high level description or definition of what an Opportunity Zone is. Sure. So
0: the Opportunity Zones were part of the 2017 tax legislation that was passed. Um, You know, I, I like to say that when the legislation was passed, you probably didn't hear a thing about this program, and that was because there was bipartisan agreement about it. I mean, Democrats okay. and Republicans actually both wanted to get this, this program passed. Senator Tim Scott and Senator Cory Booker were both big, big proponents of this Opportunity Zone legislation. So, you know, that's where the genesis was. But when okay. you take a look at what the program is, um, it creates, the legislation allows the IRS to create or designate what are known as Opportunity Zones. Um, they've since done that and identified over 8,000 different opportunity zones throughout the United States. And the idea is it's a, supposed to target investment in lower-performing socioeconomic uh, communities, um, lower-performing in terms of job growth, unemployment, and various things. Um, the idea is to give a particular tax break, particularly with respect to capital gains tax, okay. uh, to in order to get some investors to utilize their unrealized capital gains that they're going to have to pay taxes on um, provide certain benefits and we can go through somewhat of what somewhat of those Mm -hmm. are um but it provides benefits so that it will encourage an investor to put money into these opportunity zones for long-term investment Um, the goal is, is at least 10 years so it has to stay there for you know a decent amount of time to take advantage of the program which is the whole idea behind opportunity zones it's not going to be a great thing for these communities if it's only going in for a couple months, you know, a couple gotcha. of years, it's supposed to really spark something long term.
1: So it sounds like first of all, it was bipartisan. So it wasn't any arguing, you know, when it comes to our constituents, when it comes to uh, trying to get this, this, that bill passed. So everyone right. was on board with that, which is a good thing. Um, so it really wants to spur economic development in lower performing areas. Um, so now how is that a benefit for the community and for the investor, because it sounds like it's a win-win.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about some of the drawbacks. I know that's, that's a, okay. that's kind of a hot topic, particularly with opportunity zones too, but in terms of benefits um, for the community itself, a lot of these places, and, you know, I'll say living in Kankakee, Illinois, Kankakee, I'm, I'm actually sitting in an opportunity zone right now um, in downtown Kankakee. And um, it is, the idea is, you know, over the past many decades, some of these areas have unfortunately seen a lot of disinvestment. Um, you know, people pulling their money out of the areas and that can lead to a downward spiral in certain circumstances, you know, gravity and water can wreak in some pretty tough problems on residential properties or commercial properties. And okay. if you don't have upkeep with, you know, ongoing investment, then that's a problem. So this is just to really attract some capital to bring back some of these places um, or just bring them up generally, uh, to what they can be. So that's for the communities themselves as to whether that's going to be realized, you know, I think we haven't, this is a new program. We gotta see where it goes. Um, but I think at least the promise is there for the investor, you know, it really comes out of capital gains and capital gains tax. Um, this program only works if you can identify people that have unrealized capital gains. Um, what they have to do is take their capital gains and put them into a qualified opportunity fund. And it's a really easy process to create a qualified opportunity fund. They don't need to be massive, multi-billion dollar funds or anything. They can be smaller, you know, one source funds um, that can be put together. Then if the opportunity fund invests in an opportunity zone, um, it has to be qualified opportunity zone business property, uh, qualified opportunity zone property. Um, And there's a bunch of different types of that real estate within the zone is one of them. Then you can take advantage of certain tax breaks that would be applied to the capital gains that you were first investing in the, in the first place there.
1: Okay. So basically um, so step one, I'm assuming is to find out where the opportunity zones are. Is that correct? I think so. I mean, but they're
0: everywhere. I mean, that's the thing find out where they are. But I think, no matter where you live, you're going to be in pretty pretty close distance to where an opportunity zone is. In Illinois, at least um, Cook County has them, you know, all throughout Chicago. A number of our larger counties have several of the zones, but every single county in the state of Illinois has at least one zone. Um, so even you know rural backwoods counties also have a an opportunity zone, which honestly might present some interesting investment opportunities if you've got a you know farmland or you know something much less dense than than what a typical urban investor might be used to
1: so it's to to spur development um and like you said to uh put some much needed capital dollars in some of these low performing areas um so once you identify where the opportunity zones are and guys it's it's pretty simple to find um i did a quick google search this morning and Found tons of Opportunity Zones here in Phoenix, also in Illinois and in Georgia, basically throughout the nation. Um, So I'll I'll add a link in the show notes in regards to where to find Opportunity uh, Zones. That way you can find them. So now once we have found the Opportunity Zones, now what's the basis for creating that Opportunity Fund? What what do we need to do to do that?
0: Yeah, so the opportunity fund, that has to be the vehicle that the capital gains are put into before they're then invested in the zones. Um, and the, the IRS has come out with the process for creating an opportunity fund. And again, it is, it's simple. It's a two-page self-certification form that you send in to uh, the IRS. And you know, assuming you meet the qualifications, um, assuming you know, you did everything correctly, then in terms of, uh, registering your new entity, you have to, you have to create a new entity that is going to serve as that opportunity fund. So whether it's an LLC or a corporation, okay. um, you have to put some magic words into the governing documents, into the bylaws in the articles of incorporation or articles of organization. Um, but essentially they, it's to say this entity is supposed to be used as a qualified opportunity fund. Um, gotcha. and then once you do that, it is a opportunity fund. Um, now, you will you'll probably see across the board many different types of opportunity funds. The most attention that has been given to opportunity funds has been have obviously been the big ones. Um, okay. You know the players that are putting together billions of dollars in capital gains, uh, pulling it from multiple investors to then go out and invest either in a particular region or a particular industry. Um, some opportunity funds focus specifically on affordable housing. Some focus on uh, just general housing opportunities or other, you know, larger projects. Um, but there's, there's no need for them to be that big. I mean, they, they could be as small as a single donor who puts in $50,000 of capital gains that they have that they want to put into, you know, an, a new project they have, a housing rehab that is in an opportunity zone and could serve to be a good long-term investment.
1: Wow, so that's great. So cuz I know there was a large misperception that, you know, it's it's just for these billion dollar hedge funds, but from speaking with you, you know, it can be a mom and pop shop that normally would go out and fix and flip houses instead of doing it through their traditional LLC, they can create an opportunity fund and then still do the same work and on those capital gains that they make, you know, maybe they'll rent the property out for you know, for that 10 year hold period and all of those funds that all those capital gains are, are is it not taxed or is it, is it taxed at a certain percentage? Kind of let's let's kind of go into that. I know you're not, you know, a CPA or, or anything like that, but as an attorney, um, kind of what what's what's the baseline?
0: Yeah, I'll do my best. Sometimes I revert when I'm talking accounting, I revert into legalese. So yeah, <laughs> it's tough. I speak, I speak one of those languages, not two. Right. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that is a good question. So the, the benefits that are available to the capital gains initially, um, there's really three types of benefits that you get. So when you have a, a non capital gains, you have a realization event, typically you have to pay either 15 or 20% as a capital gains tax. If you do this process, put it into opportunity fund, opportunity fund invest in an opportunity zone, the first benefit you get is the opportunity or the that capital gains that it becomes due, the 15 or 20 percent gets deferred until the year 2026. Um, the second benefit you get is once the if you keep the investment within an opportunity zone for five years, the basis on your initial uh, investment, so the amount of capital gains that you actually have, um, the basis goes up, the amount of capital gains, tax liability goes down by 10%. Okay. If you keep it in the, firm, in the fund another two years, it goes. the basis goes up 15%, liability goes down 15%. Then the third benefit, which is probably the most potentially lucrative benefit, is that if you keep the investment within an opportunity zone for 10 years, any capital gains on the capital gain, so any appreciation on that investment into the cat into the opportunity zone, is not going to be taxed at all under capital gains tax. Oh, wow! And that's that's where the potential comes for probably the biggest um, tax benefits from the program.
1: Yeah. So in essence, as I'm thinking about it, you know, you can you can buy a low performing property in a in a you know opportunity zone, rehab it, then rent it out for those ten years, and basically all of that capital gains is. Is basically free to you, non non taxed. Am I understanding that correctly?
0: Yeah, the you know the the rental income will be taxed as income. So that's right. you know that's sort of normal. You know, as normal you
1: go for, gotcha. But
0: assuming that the value of the property, and this is you know is having a normal appreciation schedule that it, that it is increasing in value, then if that appreciation you know typically if you then sold it at the end of ten years you there would be some appreciation there.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, that's hope. And assuming you did that, you would have to pay a capital gains tax on that appreciation that would go away entirely. Okay. So, you know how we started in the beginning, you had, you know, let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars in capital gains. Um, at the end of it, your, and let's say the appreciation happened at five, six, 7% hopefully, um, whatever is above that hundred percent, that hundred thousand dollars that you initially invested and you're now getting back as a gain, that's what's tax free.
1: Okay. Okay, that sounds good. So again, it sounds like it's a benefit for not only those low performing areas, but also a strong benefit for the uh for the investor as well. So again, it's a win-win. So I can see kind of why it's it was non uh bipart well, it was bipartisan. Yeah. You know, so that's here's, that's definitely a benefit.
0: Here's here's another good way of looking at it, and this is this is kind of how I've wrapped my head around it is Let's say, you know, and these numbers are they're not going to be what numbers are actually you actually use, but say you had $100 in capital gains. If you took that $100 in capital gains and put it into a stock portfolio that was going to appreciate at 7%, mm-hmm. then at the end of 10 years after all the taxes that you would have to pay, you would get $132 back. Now, if you took that $100 in capital gains and instead you put it into an opportunity fund opportunity invested, the opportunity fund invested in opportunity zone, that project appreciated by 7%. At the end of 10 years, you know, everything else being held equal, you're going to get back $176. So the difference there, you got 132 versus 176. That's, that's where the real benefit is.
1: Yeah. And that, and that can be substantial, especially when you're doing multiple projects in opportunity zones, you know, you can, you can really, really make some headway as an investor. And again, you know, benefit the community and the the people that you serve in that community as an investor. Um, So we talked about some of the benefits. I know there's downfalls, you know, it can't be, you know, too good to be true. So kind of what some of the things that we as investors would need to hedge our bets against.
0: Sure. So, you know, I've I've thought of a few things that you want to take a a look for. This is not You know the magic solution. It's not going to make a bad project a good project necessarily. It could probably help a good project get over the hill if you're looking for some additional financing, or it'll make it a you know somewhat more attractive. Um, But you still want to have a good project at the heart. Um, Okay. And you know a thing about these the opportunity zones is they are in lower performing areas, so. Those good projects might be fewer and far between, but they, they absolutely exist. I mean, you just might have to seek them out a little more. You might have to think about them a little bit differently. Um, so that risk, I think that is that is one thing you want to be cognizant of in looking. Okay. Um, another issue with the opportunity zones is, so I mentioned a minute ago, the initial capital gains that you invest into an opportunity fund. Um, the first benefit is the, the initial tax liability that you would have is deferred until 2026, um, right. but you do have to pay it in 2026. So okay. you have to maintain some liquidity to be able to, to pay that tax liability seven years from now. Seven years from now. Okay. Right. And that's a, you know, nobody's had to deal with that yet, but that will probably come up and there might be a few people that invest in Opportunity Zones that forgot about that. that
1: yeah. That Sorry. They- so they need to be fiscally responsible and know that, Hey, I need to put this to the side because in 2026, I'm going to get this tax bill that right. I need to make sure I take care of. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's one downside to it. Um, yeah. Um, you yeah,
0: know, the other thing is it's a, yep. To, to take full advantage of the benefits, you have to keep the investment there for 10 years. Um, which I think some investors might not really want to stomach. Uh, but okay. that is, that's, that's a real requirement with this.
1: Especially, um, not to cut you off, Dave, but yeah. especially with those who are, this wouldn't be a strategy for anybody that's doing fix and flips because fix and flips they want to get in and get out as quick as possible. But I can definitely see it as a benefit for those who are long long term investors. You know that that want to buy and hold. So, you know, you can pick up some of these properties, depending on the area. You know, for thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. You know, add some dollars into them and then just carry them for those 10 years. And again, at the end of that 10 year term, hopefully, you know, you have, you know, six to 7% uh, gain or appreciation on that property. So um, I see it as a win.
0: Now, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned the fix and flip, the fix and flip strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, And this this is sort of one of the interesting pieces about Opportunity Zones is we're, you know, the legislation was passed in 2017 We got our first round of regulations from the IRS several months later. We got our second round of regulations from the IRS in, I think it was May, um, early May or April. And we are potentially waiting for another round. It's not clear if they're going to issue it or not. But under the original legislation and the rules, you're right. This would not be a strategy for fix or flip. Under the latest round of regulations, um, they have said that if you – buy property using an opportunity fund that's in an opportunity zone, you sell it and then you use the proceeds to buy more property in the opportunity zone, then that's okay. So,
1: okay, yeah,
0: so that, that, that expands the, the, the strategy. The
1: opportunity, yeah. So you can keep turning that money over and over and over again. Right. Um, in that same area. Uh, I, Again, I see that as a benefit because now, since you know the landscape of that opportunity zone that you're working in, you'll be able to find those deals and really reinvest that capital, you know, that way you can hedge your bet against, you know, um, those capital gains. So uh, any other, you know, things that we need to be aware of when it comes to, you know, potential downfalls with capital, um, with opportunity zones?
0: You know, the the only other piece is just the newness of this program. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, not, we have not lived through the five-year period that you have to keep invested to get the step-up basis of 10% or the seven-year period, let alone the 10-year period that you have to gotcha. get to get, the, um, to get the elimination of any capital gains at the, the end of that time. Um, so it's new. I mean, it, there is a little bit of uncertainty still with respect to certain aspects of the Opportunity Zone program, um, but I mentioned there's, there's been a number of different sets of regulations I think we're pretty set and pretty, pretty secure as it comes to real estate. Okay. Um, and how we will, what qualifies, what doesn't qualify, what improvements you need to make to the property in order for it to qualify. Um, that, that is pretty set. But you know, again, if anybody tells you that they've had a successful opportunity zone investment, if any lawyer comes to you telling you that they've already you know created this <laughs> incredible opportunities investment, that that's not true. I mean, they, we don't know how this is played out entirely yet.
1: Gotcha. Cause there, there's still quite a few great areas that um, the government is st- still working out and trying to figure out, correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I think we're in real estate, I think we're good to go at this point. I would be comfortable advising a client to pursue a strategy based on opportunity zones.
1: Okay, perfect. And that kind of leads me into the next question um, because I invest in Kankakee, I invest in Chicago, I uh, had some rentals there. So as If I was to come in as a new client, what would be the investment strategy or what would be the advice that you would give a new client coming in that wants to invest in the opportunity zone?
0: So I would take a look at, I would ask them to come to me first with a specific project that they want to do.
1: Gotcha. Um, Okay.
0: That's, there's enough flexibility and malleability in the regs that there's a number of different ways to create an opportunity zone strategy, um, you know, based on what type of entities we create to either serve as an opportunity fund or you know, if you're looking for outside investment, you can find an outside opportunity fund um, outside investor to be able to provide an equity investment in the form of um, you know, their capital gains, they're investing. So that's the first thing is definitely identify the project. Okay. Um, But, you know, if we're talking, let's say, you know, you're looking to, I don't know, what's what's an example of something that, that you
1: might- um, Let's just say if someone was coming into, into your area, your neck okay. of the woods, and they say, hey, I got a project in this opportunity zone. Um, you know, I am looking to hold it long-term. What are some of the things that I need to be aware of in order to make this a successful project, you know, okay. from your standpoint? Yeah.
0: Um, so I think, you know, if you're, if you're coming into an area and you've identified a project you want to pursue, um, got to find who's got the capital gains. That is, that is the, the fundamental piece of this that is only going to make the opportunity zone work, or at least those tax benefits work. Okay. Um, maybe you don't have the full amount in capital gains to, to make this work as a, you know, fully financed by an opportunity fund. Um, but that's another good thing to, to bring up too when you do an opportunity zone project, all the money for the project does not need to come from specifically one opportunity fund. It can come from many opportunity funds. It can come from debt. It can come from, uh, you know, just an investment of, of equity from some other source too. So you okay. can you can stack your, your sources of funding when you're looking at doing a project like this, whether it's a big one or a small one. Um, so that's, you know, sources of funding would be the, the key thing, the second to, to take into consideration.
1: So then we would go so, ahead. So not to cut you off, Dave. So yeah. financing or hard money financing is still an opportunity um, to, to use on a project in an opportunity zone, huh?
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean Okay. Perfect. You, you won't get the, the tax benefit, you know, the tax benefits will be prorated to however much of the initial investment is, is coming from that opportunity fund. Okay. Uh, so you know, it's, it's an equity investment. So coming from an opportunity fund into the property the project. Um, so you'll be getting, you know, whatever portion of the appreciation after the 10, 10 years, after the 10 years. Right. But absolutely. I mean, taking okay. down getting debt to finance a project is, is absolutely something that should be used along with.
1: Wow. Okay. All right. So um, what would be next? Okay. We, we found the project. Um, we have the opportunity fund. Um, what would be next? I mean, I, I know that any smart investor will talk to not only you as the attorney, but also their CPA to make sure everyone yep. is on the same page. Uh, what would be kind of the next steps?
0: So, you know, let's, when you talk about the project specifically, um, if you, and I should you know, talk about this too. When they come to me with a particular project, We'd have to make sure it counts as qualified opportunity zone property, okay. um, you know. And with respect to real estate, so again, you know, this this opportunity zone property not only covers real estate, it also also covers stock of businesses that operate predominantly within an opportunity zone. Okay. Um, okay. Which which could be relevant to a real estate discussion, but you know, for the sake of simplicity here. We'll just say you're looking at buying some real estate within an opportunity zone property. Yep. Um, there's a number of different qualifying factors. So, you know, speaking just generally, if you're going to buy a piece of property that has some sort of improvement on it, has a house, has a, has a building, um, for it to qualify as opportunity on property, you have to double the basis of that property. So, if it's a, you know, hundred thousand dollar home. You do have to put another hundred thousand dollars into improvements into the property.
1: Okay. So you have to have not only the acquisition, but you have to have that rehab right. amount to match the acquisition price. Okay. Right.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. And it's it's double the double the acquisition price is how much you have to bring in to the property. Now, if it is vacant property, that doesn't apply. Any improvement okay. you make is gonna substantially improve the property. So that would qualify as opportunities on property. If the property has been vacant for five years, then you also don't need to substantially improve it. You don't need to put in all of those improvements. You may okay. want to, um, but that's a way to to get around that substantial improvement uh, requirement in order for real estate to count as opportunities on property.
1: Okay. So there's different time frames, time limits, um, those properties that's vacant, uh, normally you will probably end up putting in close yeah. to double anyway, you know right. the, Zone requirements and things like that for city ordinances and things of that nature. Um, but you can still find deals out there, you know, where properties have been vacant, where you can you will have to put a substantial amount of money into it. But some of the returns, you know, will still be amazing, uh, especially, you know, with these opportunity uh, projects.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's something to keep an eye on, especially the vacant land. I mean, there's a lot of um, Brownfields that are around some certain former industrial areas. There's a few in Key that we've been trying to promote. Um, that's an opportunity zones, opportunity funds can be a vehicle for that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good piece. Another, another thing to keep in mind is only certain, so there are certain sin businesses, they call them, quote unquote sin businesses that cannot be operating on opportunity zone property. So Great. not a
1: not a strip club or a gambling uh, house or anything like that. Is that what yeah. you're pretending to see in? <laughs> right, and there's okay.
0: the list is kind of funny actually. If you if you read it, I mean it's it's like sunbathing. I mean, you know, suntan shops or whatever. I can't even oh, really? remember what they're called. You don't <laughs> see too many of those anymore. But um, you know what else? Uh, you can do a restaurant or potentially even a bar, but you can't do a liquor store.
1: Okay. Uh, Okay.
0: So yeah, there's, and the list is, is pretty clear. Um, and that's, it's try- and that's,
1: and that's pretty much done because they're trying to change the outlook on some of these communities. So yep. you don't want to put, like you said, another liquor store in a bad community, you know, that's already dealing with alcoholism or, or something like that, you know, right. so I can understand that.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's the thinking there. Um, but it's a good thing to just keep an eye on. If you're looking at potentially doing commercial property, um, or commercial tendencies that, that would come into play.
1: Okay. All right. Um, anything else as investors, we should be aware of when it comes to opportunity zones and, you know, some of the potential benefits and downfalls. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, this, this is with respect to investors, you're saying, not, not necessarily the community. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, you know, with investors, I think that's those are probably the things that I would keep my eye on. Um, okay. You know, talk to an accountant. Talk to an attorney to, to to go over your specific project that you're looking at. Um, but you know, my sense has been once you know the the basic framework, once you know the basic requirements, these ideas for what could qualify as opportunities on property just really start to pop, um, and it it can be Something as big as you know a 80-unit apartment complex, or it can be rehabbing a single-family home. Um, it can right. be you know multi-unit properties, or excuse me, multi-use properties, you know in a downtown area or something like that. Um, or it can be you know the the Amazon H2 headquarters that was going to be in in New York. That was going to be opportunity zone funded or opportunity fund funded. Okay. Um, that didn't come through but you know if it ever does they might be doing something similar to that so the the range that's available is very big and i guess what i would advise my clients is even if you think it might not qualify as opportunities on property let's let's think about it let's figure out if there is a creative strategy that's that's available based on the regulations that exist to do something where it still does qualify as opportunities on property so you can not only take advantage of the program but you know, hopefully do some good for these communities.
1: Okay. And then this is going forward. So what if you purchased a property, you know, the close of 2018, you know, is there anything to kind of retro, uh, that or is it just new acquisitions going forward?
0: So that's, that's where we would have to get creative. Um, the idea is that it's for new acquisitions, new investments into property. Um, and I, that I would want to analyze on a specific case-by-case basis, honestly, to okay. figure out if, you know, maybe maybe you create a new corporation and that new corporation is the opportunity zone investment um, as opposed to the real estate itself. Um, so that's, you know, and still I got to make sure that the related party, there's no related parties issues that come up in the regs. So um, that'd be a good one to talk to the lawyer specifically about that.
1: Okay, perfect, perfect. But again,
0: don't don't let it, say,
1: well, I guess I missed the boat on that one. Um, okay. So it's all, like you said, it's case by case, um, just knowing the rules and the regs and speaking with an attorney and your CPA and to make sure, you know, you're doing everything according to, you know, those standards. So Dave, I think you really shared, you know, a lot of insight and a lot of light on opportunity zones here, you know, and because, you know, there's people that can buy, again, multi-use or multi-family properties that, you know, they can really have a tax basis and a tax benefit, you know, to buying in these opportunity zones. You know, I heard a lot of people talking, you know, Hey, this sounds like gentrification. This sounds like, you know, but if it's a bad neighborhood and someone's coming in to try and help stabilize those neighborhoods and make those neighborhoods better, you know, and it's still affordable and accommodating for Those who live in those neighborhoods, why not?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I agree. I think, and this is another reason why a lot of my focus has been on the smaller projects, um, Mm -hmm. because I think those are less likely to lead to gentrification. Um, You know, a, a big project could really come in and transform a community in a way that displaces people who have been part of the community for years. Smaller projects, you know, one, they're more likely for the entire community to take advantage of. Right. Um, to be not only, you know, living in some of the communities, but to be an investor. Um, there's more opportunity for that to spread. And secondly, just it doesn't transform a community entirely. If you're doing it on sort of a, a small ball right. basis, everybody can get in and, and readjust if there are some changes in a way that's not too disruptive.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I I completely understand. Um, Because if you're doing one house at a time or something like that, you know, you're not disrupting that community. Uh, Sounds great, man. Dave, thank you again. There's a lot of quality information you provided for us today. So, you know, before we go, how can we get in touch with you? How can we find you? Um, Where can we go if we have any questions about Opportunity Zones?
0: Yeah, there's... You know, I'll say there is a ton of information that's out there now, um, almost too much. That okay. I think that it's it's good to really try to dig down, dig down. Um, but I'd be happy to to talk to anyone about these issues specifically. Um, you know, my you can go to deckandbarrenlaw.com is is my website. Um, you can also go to LinkedIn. My I've got a profile there, and as on, as well as on Facebook, um, and be happy to to respond to questions about. Opportunity Zone specifically and what you might be looking to do. I'm only licensed in the state of Illinois um, if it actually comes to trying to figure out how to put something together. But you know, these are these are really interesting questions, um, particularly if you care about economic development in communities as well as being an investor in these communities.
1: Perfect, perfect. So everybody, I'll make sure I have uh, Dave's information in the show notes so you'd be able to reach him via LinkedIn or his, or his website. So again, Dave, I really appreciate it, man. Before we sign off, I just want to say thank you again for what you're doing, not only in the state of Illinois, but specifically in my hometown, which is Kankakee, Illinois, uh, where we're doing big things, man, in Kankakee County. So keep up the good work, man, and, and keep Kankakee rising. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doing our best. All right. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items, and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebookcom mrcsmaloney Twitter at mrcsMaloney, and of course IG at mrcsMaloney. You can also always reach me via email at mMaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com. Also, youtube.com slash Marcus Malone. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.